Well, good morning, LCM. Good morning. Today's date is December 11th, 2022. So let's talk about something. Let's talk about yesterday. Not times past, literally, yesterday. Yesterday, we were able to celebrate our second LCM wedding since gathering at the One Association Conference in October. Just a short period of time. Rob and Miranda are now a new entity under heaven. They bear a new name together, and that is Mr. and Mrs. Barnett. You know, yesterday, we were all in high spirits. Because we were witnessing two supernaturally transformed individuals uniting in covenant and beginning a lifelong journey of doing the will of the Father and raising up righteous offspring as a team and within a team. You know, we couldn't help it. Reflecting on yesterday, reflecting on that beautiful union, you know, that wedding, it caused us to reflect on how much we have all progressed into maturity since the beginning of this year. We're not talking about the last decade or the last five years. We're talking about the year 2022. It was a maturity that has come through the many cycles of life and death, you could say. And it elevates us to the position of having more life than we did previously. To bring this point full circle, what we have come to realize this year is that the agony of the sifting process is what has actually set the table of anointed ministry for us in 2022. Is that phrase set the table ringing in your ears with a familiarity? Well, we are proud of the way you guys took seriously the God-given directive for us to set the table starting in this past January. You guys remember this directive from last January. Well, what we witnessed is that you guys took action and began to open up your homes. And as you opened up your homes, you set a table and feasted on the word and the manna that God would give you on a daily basis for the purpose of edifying each other. That went even further. You guys opened up your homes and began to exchange testimonies of transformation that has resulted from failures and trials. This transparency. And that transparency cultivated a trust in relationships between you guys that has resulted over the previous months of our body building itself up in love. We can also be proud of the teams that were formed this year. I'm talking about the ones that are weekly meeting and taking place. And my, what a series of sifting has occurred since then. So as we get into it this morning, turning your Bibles to Psalm chapter 42. This will be our first passage together. We will begin in verse 9. Verse 9 says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Wow. Guys, as you read verse 9 you got to relate to it on several different levels. Now, this is exactly what it feels like, what it looks like to be in the nothingness and the darkness in between that we've been talking about. It, it feels many times like you've been forgotten, like you're just going about in a state of mourning, like you are feeling oppressed by the enemy and deliverance is far from you. Can anybody relate to that occurring at least one time this year since January? Yes. Yeah, one is very conservative. Well, let's look at verse 10 and see how this continues. My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? So you read this passage and you understand that the taunts of the enemy have been a reality in your lives, right? Real things that are, are happening. We've heard these taunts. 
And you know what we have done with these taunts? We've responded to them. And we responded to them much in the same way as verse 11 declares. So let's read on to the next verse. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Church, this year, first and foremost, you've learned to ask the right kind of questions. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Even the ability to recognize the true state of your own soul shows the maturity that God has brought into our lives this year. But even more than that, you've learned to respond in a godly way that we as your pastors can tell you this morning that we are so proud of. You've learned to put your hope in God and praise him for being both your savior and your God. Check this. Even when you can't see it in your current situation. That is what maturity and growth looks like, church. And that's because you have a very special revelation about who you are in Christ. And this revelation can only come from an understanding of the ultimate truth. We're talking about the very word of God. So you guys have experience. And that experience is as you engage in God's word, his ultimate level of truth. Don't you find out more of who you are in Christ? And praying through the tabernacle with his word as our guide, when you come to the labor, isn't it refreshing whenever the Lord is reminding you of who you are? You can stand confidently. All those things that are making your soul downcast are now able to be put underfoot and you stand rightly in God's presence. Well, from the message, Sifting Sets the Table in January, we covered something in particular. And we covered the concept of you already have what you need. And to highlight this, there was a slide that we want to bring back up for your remembering. This is a slide capitalizing on the thought you already have what you need, and it comes from the perspective of the 12 gates. The 12 gates are an essential and foundational part of our way of life here at LCM. And they relate to your experiences this year. So looking at it, from January until now, haven't you been through cycles of life to death to life that now you know more today that you're a son than you did back in January? Don't you know, Andrew Tisdale, in a better fashion that you are a co-heir with Christ in a greater uh, foundational stance now than you did before? I mean, you have a baby. I mean, you didn't have the baby, but you and Megan have a baby. Tom and Martha, aren't you guys in a better place now because you know with certainty that you as a couple are seated in the heavenly realms with Christ? Let me hear from both of you guys. There we go. Amen. That's right. So as we're looking at these 12 gates and you see that you are the righteousness of Christ Jesus, of God in Christ Jesus, you are full in Christ. You know, I was thinking about this. So where's Spencer? Give me a yeah. Yeah, there he is. Now, you would never imagine that Spencer would ever get full. But we know as a church body from interacting with Spence that he is a man who has a greater revelation of what it means to be full in Christ, to have his soul satisfied. We're looking at being clothed in Christ. You know what comes to mind? I think of Timo. Timo is a man that is a sharp-dressed brother. But I'm not going to say that one. But doesn't he stand with a greater level of confidence in knowing that he's clothed with Christ in such a way that reflects the glory of his father that far surpasses any adornment on the outside? We as a church know that we are participators in the divine nature. That that heavenly deposit is within us and at work within us. Come on, we as a church, after going through many cycles of life to death to life, particularly with coughs and fevers and all the other symptoms that happen 
that we've been strengthened with all power from our mighty God. Look, you made it through the One Association Conference. And I don't mean just to travel there and back. I'm talking about the sicknesses that were on top of the travel there and back. Come on, this year, you have stepped up to the plate and took action upon being an ambassador for the living God. I remember testimonies that have been developed over this year of you boldly opening your mouth in the name of your God, and he filled it with anointing and power as you spoke. Some of you guys are sitting here this year because another brother or sister in this church took action to be an ambassador. One of those is Ubong right back there. Who actually makes a cowboy hat and a cowboy shirt look extremely manly. That was fantastic to see. Haven't you experienced this year as you open up your home and set a table? And you've acted upon uh, being the dwelling place of God? And as people walked into your home, as you walked into theirs, they could experience and feel and even be transformed by God's presence that dwelled within you and therefore your home. And we stand as a church with churches that are a holy and royal priesthood. And lastly, in light of what is within this church, churches, and what is yet to come on that map, we realize that we are God's inheritance together. You see, guys, from the beginning of this year, we've been talking about great chiasms. We've been talking about various chiastic structures of various sizes. We've been starting in one place of the chiasm, dipping down into the middle of that chiasm, and then coming out of the chiasm on the other side and being able to look back and see, wow, no, I, I've grown from the beginning to the middle, all the way to the end of this cycle. And we've been preaching on it. We've been living it. We have been getting a revelation of how it's the only way that God works and grows, not just you on an individual level, but grows his body. You see, we started 2022 with another concept that you guys will remember. It's not that you don't understand that you already have what you need. It's not that these 12 are not absolutely 100% true in your life, but there's another truth that's right beside this slide. It's all the things that are muddying, all the things that are on top of, that are burying the truths of these 12 gates that the cycle of the chiasm and the death to life process that God's bringing us through, he's actually helping us to get that muddiness, to get that nastiness out so that we can fully see who we are in Christ in a greater measure. That's what's been going on this year. And that's why we can stand confidently today, look at each one of you and see, wow, no, 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 you are, no, you are not even the way that you were at the beginning of this year. You have cleared out so much of that muddiness. You have cleared out so much of what was on top of your real identity in Christ. And we can see it in your life and in your family. Guys, what's true about this year is that you did not fail because you lacked anything. No, you have everything that you need. But this year, you learned what it feels like and what it, the experience of triumphing actually looks like because you persevered in trusting that you already had what you needed and that God's process of bringing you through this chiasm from death to life was exactly the way that you needed to be refined. Come on. You guys have been through cycles of life to death to life, right? And look, as you've gone through them, it's been revealed that there was death inside of you that didn't need to be there, that you didn't need. And the life then was revealed that was waiting for you on the other side of that death. You know, this year you've discovered fears in your life that you didn't need. They were on top of who you actually are. And you guys work to eradicate those from your life altogether and replace them with wholehearted trust in your trustworthy God. You encountered some selfish pride this year. 
that you didn't need. And you've been faithful to identify it and exterminate it zealously. Finding the humility that you needed to keep going in God's will. You know, you got into some situations this past year where you ran into your own satanic opinions. And you realized, I don't need those anymore. And praise the living God that you saw those opinions for what they are. Guys, that is what maturity looks like. You turned away from them and you pursued the Lord and his righteousness and what the righteousness that your brothers displayed to you instead. Look, you rightly identified some faithlessness in your daily interactions this year that you didn't need. So you did something. You prayed to the Lord, you were revived in your faith, and you put that faith into actions being displayed by your deeds. Also, you stumbled upon some sinful self-determination this year. You didn't need that, though. And so you humbled your soul before the Lord. And what you did is you sought his direction. Instead of that sinfulness, you sought his direction above everything else. Look, these are things that are praiseworthy. We can see what God highlighted that we didn't need and bring us to the reality that we already have what we need. As a result, we have seen your maturity rise this year. Why? Because you have let the Lord sift these items out. No matter how much it felt like death. So now, standing at this point of going through the sifting and recognizing in greater fashion we already have what we need, we can read 2 Corinthians 1, 9 through 10 with a greater understanding and surety of hope. So everybody, begin to turn to 2 Corinthians 1, 9 through 10. Verse 9 says, Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Anybody relate to that? Yeah, I know we all can. But this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Guys, the trials that have occurred this year have matured you so much. You know, they cyclically cause you to dive into the depths of what death actually feels like. You know what we're talking about. Straight into the belly of Sheol. But that results in something. A greater revelation that our Father has indeed given us everything that we need. We know, now know that with more certainty, we are able to go through the cycles of life to death that produce some pretty amazing things. You guys want to hear about those? Do you want to hear about those? Here's what it's produced. An unshakable trust in your pastors and elders. Come on, these are things that the Lord was highlighting to us of what we've seen that has matured, grown, and the very things are evidence that you've conquered. There's also an evidence of a bedrock of belief that members of this community actually have your best interest in mind Ooh, at all times. Get a hallelujah. I'll take that next one, Pastor Nick. This is also produced a fearless forecast of your children's future. No longer operating in a fearful forecast of what's going to happen, but looking at your children and saying, no, I'm fearless about the forecast of their future because of the process that God has taken me through this year. Look, the next one is a good one. It's a really good one. In light of yesterday, where we watched the the wedding nuptials of Robin Miranda. What we have seen produced in our church is something spectacular. It's what we've been aiming at for decades. And that is for our singles. Wait, I'm, I'm not there yet. Hold on. For our singles, there's a consistent, joyful celebration 
about their state of being single. A joyful celebration about their state of being single. And something coupled along with that. The same level of joyful celebration when witnessing others establishing marital covenants. Look, that, that's an important point. We had a victory yesterday. Not only in the couple that was married, but in the attitude, demeanor, and character of our singles, being able to rejoice about where they stand and where their brothers and sisters are standing. Come on, guys. Before we get to the last one, what Pastor Matt just said is so true. And you know what else has changed in directly in line with what Pastor Matt is saying? And not just for our singles, but for everyone in here. You learned this year that your brother's victory is your victory. You learn that when your brothers are getting the victory, when you see them being victorious, it's no longer taking something from you. No, 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 no. Your brother's victory is your victory because we are one in Christ. We are on the same team. We are fighting the same battle. We are doing God's work together. So when they win, we win, church. And you learn that this year. The last one. Guys, you have a courageous confidence. We know that you know the word. We know that you're able to quote the word. We know that this year we have majored on getting back into the word on a daily basis and diving in. But more than just quoting the word, this year the transformation process inside of you guys looks like quoting the word but on the flip side, able to stand on what the word actually says, even when the situations do not look or do not feel like the word could possibly be true in them. That is the growth that we've seen in you this year. Look, in those moments of sifting throughout this, this year, we all recognize that when we're standing there, you're in the battle of your life as you're going through that shadow of death. This is where you find out all of the things that God is sifting away from you so that you can be an effective minister. That is the purpose of going through the cyclical process. It's through the repetition of it and the experiences of it that allow your head to be anointed with oil, to be supernaturally empowered to be his representative. We witnessed this within you guys. I mean, hasn't the anointing of God become a greater amount upon your head as a result of you going from life to death to life? You stand on the other side of death knowing with a greater surety of how much God can pour out his power through you, not because of your own perfection, but because of your experience of transformation. Well, this agonizing, pressing, and glorious process has led to the Lord pouring out more of his anointing and transformation that then overflows to everyone else around you. This is how the Lord has made ministers out of us in 2022. And what we can see is the evidence within our body that all of you guys have been ministering to one another. So the sifting of God's saints has been happening since the very beginning. You can see that in the word clearly. But with that being said, since it's been happening for so long... There is much for us to learn about the whole process. There's a lot that we still don't know about it. But since you were active in ministering this year, there is a perspective that you must have when the low points of opposition are waging war with your mind and also tugging at your emotions. You know, that perspective is twofold. Firstly, you are not the only one that is being sifted. I know it feels like that in the moment, but you're not the only one. All get sifted in all kinds of ways. And two, God does not spare you from the sifting process. In fact, our Lord, our King, our Master, He is very much for the process. He's the architect of it. And He's the finisher of it too. Everyone turn with us to Luke chapter 22. And we're going to pick up in verse 31. Verse 31. 
Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. I feel like I get a revelation every time I hear this verse. Because I always think it's just about Simon Peter. But it's not. No. What is evident in this passage is that Satan desired to sift every one of the disciples. But the loving father only allowed the battle to occur when it would be beneficial for each of them to have it. Wow. Isn't it such a comforting thought, saints? When you're being sifted, it's because your loving father understands the exact time and precise method that you need. And it is his hand that is allowing the sifting. In this particular instance, it was Simon Peter's turn to be sifted, but it would be the other disciples' turn at a specific time as well. The fact of the matter is, is that sifting was required for all of you. That's what the text says. Guys, look back, think about your experiences this year, specifically working in teams and working with your brothers. You know, on a weekly basis, each week brought about new sifting for the entire team. That's part of the reason that we meet the way that we do. You know, on a weekly basis, one team member's household may be the center of the sifting process. You guys know what we're talking about. Like, wow, no, 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 no. Like, Hayes really had a sifting week this week. We can all see it. But you know what happens when that team meets in their home and Hayes begins to share in a transparent way about the sifting process that he's been going through that week? What happens? Everybody else is like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. I totally relate to that. I totally see exactly what you were going through. In fact, I had a similar process as well, and it opens up that transparency for the entire group. You know, but since for Simon Peter here, this particular point of sifting was such a tough one. I mean, we're talking about some of the hardest sifting ever here. Jesus was definitely going to rescue Peter from it, right? wrong. He was not going to. Pay serious attention to the next verse, verse 32. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Ooh, that's faith right there. You see the vision that the rabbi has for his disciples? He knows that failure is going to come. A sifting is, is on, on its way. But that's not where it ends. Because of the intercession of our king, he is ensuring that our faith will not fail. We feel one way, but we don't trust that. We trust what he says. We trust his intercession on our behalf. And the certainty out of his mouth is when you have turned back. Go strengthen your brothers. It's when you're seated at the table with your enemies of your own failure that you're actually able to turn, to be anointed, to be transformed, and have an overflowing cup that then is poured out to strengthen your brothers. This year, we have gone from sifting to strengthening. Every cycle that you have been through as an individual, as a family, and as a team has been for the purpose of going from sifting to strengthening. You learned this year how to minister the gospel from your own state of brokenness rather than the presentation, the PowerPoint presentation of your perfection. You guys have witnessed the genuine power of ministry that comes from the sifting of failure followed by the, tur uh, the, the turning and anointing is an overflowing cup to strengthen your brother by sharing what those experiences are. So as you're reflecting on your encounters with one another, hasn't that transparency between one another been more effective than trying to work it out all on your own? Not only does it liberate you, but it brings liberation to your brothers. So go back to the directive at the beginning of this year. Set a table, right? So at the New Year's bonfire this past year, you were told to set the table of his presence in your home and invite others into it. Who in this room can testify to the overflowing cup of blessings that have resulted from your obedience to this directive? Come on. 
That's right, almost every hand should be up. At that time, there were many impurities that were floating around in each one of your heads. We're talking about at the beginning of this year. And look how the Lord has worked to remove them from you, to purify you. Thoughts like, man, uh, if I do this, if I set a table in my home, I'm scared that that's going to bring correction into my life. And I haven't done so well with that previously. But guys, look at how you've overcome this impurity. Look how you stand here confidently that no matter how it goes when you open up your home, the correction that might come is for your edification and for your maturity. And you understand that so much more right now. You know the Lord has also highlighted when you're looking to set a table, open up your home, you're looking for that right window of time because you need the exact moment scheduled to put your kids to bed. That we need to be able to plan this out that nothing would get in the way of them being good kids because they have sleep. You know what we notice in, in our body this year? You've allowed the Lord to remove that impurity and overcome the fear by not looking to your own interests, but to the interest of others first. Look at the fruit that's been born in the body of Christ because of your ability to overcome this. You have established right shalom in your homes that all the fear that the kids won't get what they need actually proves to be that they do get what they need because you're seeking the kingdom of God first and have experienced all these other things being added to you. Think back to the beginning of this year. When you didn't feel so good, when your body didn't feel so hot, when you felt sickness, think about how that affected you at the beginning of the year. Now, think about how we've grown, particularly, particularly in that area, and specifically this year in 2022. Now it's like not even a thought. Like, oh yeah, I don't feel so hot, but that's okay. The will of God is still going to be done in my home. I'm still going to open it up. I'm still going to set a table. I'm still going to go after hanging out and having real fellowship with my brothers. Guys, pain and sickness has no hold on you anymore. The fact of the matter is, is that you cannot and no longer can be stopped in this area. Or how about that conflict with, but my family is in town. You know, some of you guys have had a thought of setting a table and the, that thought conflicting with the fact that you have visitors in town. But we have seen you guys recognize exactly who your mother, your brother, your sister, and your father are. Those who do the will of God. And you've invited your natural family to stand where you are. Amen. And that's on the high ground of doing the will of God together. Woo. Guys, the last one that we want to mention. I don't have a good memory. I, I don't know really what to say when people come over. Guys, this year you've gotten the same revelation that the disciples received from Jesus when they felt the same exact deceptive emotions and fears that we're articulating. You've learned not to worry about exactly what you will say, but to trust in the Spirit of God and the Word of God working in you and in your brothers. That at the proper time, you will have everything that you need in order to extend it to the person or group of people right in front of you. And that has rung true this year. You know, it was an additional element of the word we received in January when it came to setting the table. It was followed by don't wait. Don't wait. This is the time to put it into practice and we can't afford to wait any longer. And we have witnessed that you guys didn't let any grass grow under your feet. You immediately begin to put these things into practice. We are the strong, healthy body of Christ that we are today because of the actions that you took beginning at the year and being consistent with it. But the truth is, the difficulties that we've experienced this year have been the very catalyst that all of us needed to press into setting a table for each other. Not because we were obligated to, but because we wanted to. And we knew that we needed each other now more than ever. Not surprising, this is just like Joseph, Judah, and all of their brothers. So turn with us to Genesis 37 as we explore these 12 brothers a little more and examine their origins together. Oh yeah, we're going to Genesis 37. We're going to start together in verse 2. Verse 2 says, these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. Yeah, Joseph 
Judah, the brothers, they're all together. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons, because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. So contemplate all 12 of these brothers with us for a moment. We're at the beginning of their story right here. And guys, all 12 were together at the beginning of their story. How amazing is that? How amazing is proximity together as brothers? It's incredible. While they were all together, though there were definitely some areas of dissension, strife, jealousy, that made their way into the relationship between each one of these brothers. Now, in light of that, we want you to think about the beginning, your origin point, when you walk through the doors of this church. You walk through and you had a family of brothers almost overnight. Like, it was almost instantaneous. Bam, I've got a family. It's kind of like picking up in the middle of this story with Joseph, Judah, and the rest of the brothers. The thing is, you also had some of the same kind of dissensions, strife, and jealousy towards your brothers pop up that these men had with each other. Some of it you were aware of and some of it you weren't. But that's where the goodness and the excellence of our God came in. He's so good that he will never let you dwell in all of that nastiness. He is so faithful to add the necessary sifting and opposition to your lives so that your faith may not ultimately fail, so that you can be refined through the whole process, and so that you can turn back, not to compete with your brothers, but to strengthen your brothers. Look, you guys are familiar with this whole process that Judah, Joseph, and his brothers went through, right? They went through the sifting process. And in the following chapters after Genesis 37. So we want to just mention just a few situations of sifting that they all went through. So they experienced many times where the Lord was speaking to some of their other brothers, but not to them. They had seasons where they were further away from one another than they should have been, both physically and spiritually. They experienced incredible famine that caused them to fear their own lives and even the lives of their children. So these siftings are actually supposed to be viewed as being beneficial. In fact, they were necessary. Everybody say necessary. Necessary. The brothers would not have made it out alive together without these events of sifting. But the siftings were not the goal at which their gracious and faithful father was aiming them toward. They were just the means to get to the next step of growth in their lives. And this step took place in Genesis 43. So as you turn to verse 31, understand that we are entering into the part of the story where all 12 brothers are gathered together. Can you guys see the chiasm in what we just did? From 37, we start at the top. All 12 of the brothers are together. Then there was a sifting process in 38, 39, 40, 41, 42. And by the time we get back to chapter 43, we're at the top of the other end of the chiasm. Guys, as you turn there, the brothers are together again right here on the tail end of this great chiasm. All of them, not just five of them or 10 of them, all 12 of them have gone through many, many, many seasons of sifting up to this point. And that cycle brought them to chapter 43 and quite the special experience together with one another. 31 says, after he had washed his face, he came out and controlling himself said, serve the food. They served him by himself the brothers by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves. Because Egyptians could not eat with Hebrews, for that is detestable to Egyptians. The men had been seated before him in the order of their ages, from the firstborn to the youngest, and they looked at each other in astonishment. Guys, can you say that the sifting in the previous chapters set the table for these 12 brothers in this chapter right here? The sifting in Joseph's own life set the table for even the most difficult of his brothers. 
you know, like the ones that were the hardest for him to relate to because of some of the history that they had together. You know, even the ones that he just didn't get along with that well because, you know, there was some bad blood between them, right? They got history. But the sifting that happened in Joseph's life, it enabled him to be able to set a table the way that he did. In fact, it was Joseph's own weaknesses that were revealed through the many siftings in his life. That's the inspiration that he had to set a table before his brothers. For Joseph, setting the table was not an obligation. Somebody say that with me. It was not an obligation. No, it was a joy for him to set this table. And he knew that he needed his brothers just as much as they needed him. Now, you might not have realized that reading the story. Because there's a famine in the land. There's a lack of food. His brothers are in desperate need. But Joseph is setting the table because he has a revelation too. He needs his brothers just as much as his brothers need him. And look at what happens next with these brothers all seated around this table. Verse 34, when portions were served to them from Joseph's table, Benjamin's portion was five times as much as anyone else's. So they feasted and drank freely with him. Drank freely. So Genesis 43 pashatly states that the brothers ate and drank with one another freely. But we're talking about eating freely of the word and drinking freely of the Spirit of God. And doing it around a table with your brothers. That produces cyclical times of restoration and growth. That's what God was aiming at the entire time that you were going through sifting. So church, I can confidently say that you have learned to drink freely. But not by yourself. Yeah. You've learned to drink freely, but not all by yourself. You've gone from being a closet drunk, secluded, isolated with your fifth in hand, trying to be revived on your own. And you've walked into a state of participating in team drinking. That's what's happening here at Joseph's table and all of his brothers. No longer are they closet drunks. They are participating in team drinking. So everybody say with me, team drinking. Team drinking. That's the title of this morning's message. So we got that great chiasm of Genesis 37, Genesis 43, and all the sifting that happened in between. Guys, the starting point and the ending point of this story is the brothers dwelling together. But we know that there was great sifting in between for every one of them. It's actually been the same on all of our journey in LCM. I want you to think about it, that for a moment. At the beginning, you came in, you got a family overnight, and then what happened right away? The sifting began to happen in your life. And praise God for it. But we stand together today on the other side of that, being able to look back at the great chiasm and saying, look, we're all together again. We're not isolated anymore. We learned specifically this year what it looks like to participate in team drinking. We've learned to set that table. We've learned to demolish offenses. And we have learned to drink freely with one another. Have you learned that this year, church? Look, for the early believers, they also had the opportunity to go through the exact same process that we are experiencing. Things were great in the early days when Jesus was around. They were all together, right? They were having a good time of discipleship and development. Then there was this whole thing with a, a trial and a crucifixion that happened. And they're trying to do it themselves. That's part of the sifting process. Yeah. Learning that you can't. That... That moment in their history uh, is not so great. In fact, every one of them ran away and did their own thing for a little while. But here's the hope. It didn't stay that way. 
They didn't stay in isolation. The sifting process that the disciples and early believers experienced was the very thing that caused them to come back together and set a table for one another where they could pray, where they could worship, where they could dive into the word of God and get divine counsel of what to do. You're going to see that getting drunk on the Holy Ghost by themselves in a closet did not compare, didn't come anywhere close to what is experienced in team drinking as they did it together in the upper room. Go to Acts chapter 2 with us. We want to illustrate, we want to show you this testimony from the word about the early church. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, you have to realize their time trying to do it themselves, their time of closet drinking, it was in the past at this point. They were learning how to drink as a team, drink deeply from God, drink deeply from the Spirit and the Word. And verse 1 says, when the day of Pentecost came, guess what? They were all together in one place. So while it's fantastic that they were all together at this moment and at this particular day, because my goodness, was it God ordained, this was by no means the first time that this was occurring. You know, in Acts 1.14, it actually tells us that they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with all his brothers. So they're on the other side of that chiasm at this point. They're daily joining together in one place, and that had become the way of life for these disciples and early believers. They had all experienced some pretty heavy sifting in their own lives up to this point. But that did something special in each one of them. It made their meeting together not an obligation. Their meeting was no longer an obligation. But their meetings were absolute joy for them to do. And they all understood just how much they needed each other as much as the other needed them. They had learned to set a table for one another. And watch what happens next. Before we get to that point in the passage, the... This is a point that God has been sifting me through in experiencing that when I, uh, let's see if you can relate to it. I have coming up in front of me meetings, events, pastoring of my own home and pastoring of this church that I begin to get anxious. I begin to get worried and, and fearful that I'm not going to have what I need. So what's the natural instinct? I need to get into my office or into my little prayer closet. Closet drinking. And I need to, to continue to pursue and dive into what I need to be filled with personally so that I have something to go pour out. Well, yes, there have been moments where God has led me to that. He has poured out. But we're talking about maturing as a church. And as we're covering here in Genesis and now in the book of Acts, that maturing looks like, now, joining with a team because we all have what each other need. And it's about the experience of drinking together that God shows his favor and the outpouring of his spirit. What I'm finding here of recent is that I get to that point of sitting by myself and the Lord shakes me. He awakens me. And he says, what are you doing trying to do this all on your own? That's the real issue. There are, there are many men of God and brothers around you that you need to go to and sit with because I've imparted into them a piece of what you need, and I've done the same in you for them. So that by joining together, we then operate as the fully functioning body of Christ and no longer just as individual fragments that are segmented from one another and see the true necessity of each other in, in our lives. So verse 2. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them. Everybody say all of them. All of them. Were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So you can be certain of one thing. When you set a table by opening up the Word of God, by standing in and on the revelation you receive, by speaking openly and transparently so the Lord can bless it, bring your life to it, and causing it to open up doors and free your brothers and friends. 
when you are encouraging and inspiring your brothers toward this way of life, then the Holy Spirit of God will show up in supernatural ways. And no one will be able to deny his miraculous works in that moment. When this event occurred in Acts 2, it happened during the Feast of Pentecost. While there were God-fearing Jews present in Jerusalem from every nation. So listen to how they responded when they saw and heard the event that occurs. So let's read on the verse 12. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Oh my goodness. These Jewish leaders were looking at the Messianic believers and they were thinking something, Pastor Matt. Team drinking is very bad. Yo, I got a faith ID, though. That's the thing. I got a faith ID. Team drinking is not very bad. Guys, it might not have been wine, but the believers were definitely drinking freely together. We know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. In fact, throughout this entire book of Acts, the tenor of the book is not about the singular man who sought the Lord in a mighty way. Just read the book from cover to cover and you'll discover that. Drinking of the Spirit alone by himself in a closet, it's not there. It was always the believers together. Praying together. Worshiping together. Reading the word together. Guys, the book of Acts is about the believers doing this together, practicing team drinking. It was the lifestyle that they lived. When this happened, crazy things ensued. Things like the Holy Spirit falling like tongues of fire. Things like the whole place where the believers were meeting being violently shaken. Things like the number of disciples growing in their number every single day. Look what happens in verse 14 now. Then Peter stood up with the eleven. So experiencing team drinking right prior to this, he is then acting within a team as a result of it. So he stands up with the 11. And the verse goes on, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. That's for later on. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So Peter, standing up with the 11, this is a continuation of what began in their entire discipleship process. They had spent three and a half years walking with their rabbi together as a team. They journeyed through the valley of the shadow of Jesus' death. They witnessed the resurrection and ascent of their Savior. And they received an outpouring of the Spirit. So here, they are standing on the other side of death and are empowered with more life than they originally started with. Immediately, what do they begin to do after experiencing the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, the team drinking? They immediately begin to pour out what they just drank freely of. They make it clear that this is not the effect of self intoxication, but the result of team drinking. And it's stated plainly in the very verse that, that Peter quotes from Joel chapter 2. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Church, it's obvious to you by now that this morning our goal is to encourage the heck out of you. To highlight the fact that the Lord brought you here, yes, and that is definitely a blessing. He brought you through those doors. But the times of sifting between that moment and the moment that we stand here right now, man, They've truly led to the beautiful days that we get to live in and enjoy in this moment. The process of sifting to strengthening and back to sifting again. Guys, we're getting started in it and we're beginning to get really good at it. 
The direction of setting the table that we received from the Lord at the beginning of this year, that was a divinely inspired mandate. Our Father truly knows not just what we need right now, but he knows what is required for the roads that are coming ahead of us. What we need to practice now so that we're prepared for the future. So in light of Joseph, Judah, and the brothers, those men who practiced team drinking together as they drank from the word of God and the spirit of God. Also, in light of the disciples and the early believers in Acts chapter 2 that we just read, who practiced team drinking together through prayer, worship, and the study of the word, we are inspiring you this morning to take another drink of the Spirit together. So some practical ways that you can take another drink, the way it starts today. Set a table for another family in this church that you haven't set a table for in the past. Just take a moment. We're going to be real. This is a living room. We're, we're a family in church. Look around. Look around and see, what families have you not set a table for this year since January? Now you know. When you begin to do this, you are going to experience taking another drink, and you'll do it with that family. Secondly, meet with your team, not just to hang out, but for the purpose of taking another drink of his spirit together. Have that expectation. You know, we have conquered so many things by experiencing team unity formation. You guys know you've conquered the fear of putting together words for each other. Prophetic, life-giving speech. Whether it be three or whether it be nine. You know that pressure that comes about hours before your meeting. It's like, I don't have it all together. It's an all together. Yep. <laughs> I can tell by your faces it's resonating. Have the expectation that you're going to take another drink of his spirit that will empower you to give prophetic life-giving speech. Let's just walk through this because this is real and we're a family. This is what we've been living since January. Now let's move on to Mashlumcha, which, by the way, is not the name of the meeting that you have with your team. It's Team Unity Formation. Mashlumcha is step two of Team Unity Formation. So I don't want to hear you call that anymore. Take another drink of his spirit by being willing to act in bold transparency to your team. I can tell you from personal experience and from talking with you that when you do, the spirit's empowerment is there to free you of the chains of what if they knew. What if they knew this was really going on inside of me? Because let, let's be honest, the Holy Ghost is going to bring it out into the light eventually anyway. That's the kind of good father that we have. So I'll not just get to it right here, right now, before it has any more time to infect you with further fear. What we've experienced is a liberation. What we've experienced is actually a greater security in our brotherhood with one another because of the vulnerability that we share with one another. You know that we have each other's best interests in mind. So take another drink by being boldly transparent. The third step in our team unity formation is unity-based solutions. And here's how you take another drink when you participate in that. Prayerfully go into the meeting with an expectation that God has given you something to contribute to the team making a unity-based solution. So what, is the, what that's going to do is allow you to take another drink of his spirit's empowerment for you to have something that will bring about a solution for your team. This will take you out of the position of just being silent and hoping everybody else makes the decision because you may be fearful that you're going to suggest something that's not right. Or the other side of the coin, compensating with a, a confidence that is not really birthed from taking another drink, and you begin to suggest things that causes more confusion. We have been experiencing now for 11 months or so the maturing and developing as a church because we are consistently confronting the obstacles that usually have hindered our growth in the past. And as a team, we are putting them underfoot. We're more of a mature church now than we've ever been before because 
we've been experiencing team drinking. Lastly, for step four of team unity formation, take another drink by laughing and having fun with one another. Actually enjoy the time that you spend together. And, and that is the full completion of reminding why you're in the team in the first place. And that's because you are bonded brothers that are also really, really good friends. That promotes such life within this church that when you guys as teams come for every service, every meeting that we have, you are carrying not only the shalom of God, but you're also carrying around the joy of brotherhood as a result of taking another drink. So 2022 has been a, a great chiasm, as you can see from this message. We started somewhere. We experienced an incredible amount of sifting. That was amazing for us. And guys, in the name of Jesus, we are going to end 2022 on the highest note that you can possibly imagine. We're going to end 2022 with an A by making a big push toward being faithful to God's call to us that he had at the beginning of this year. Making sure that we come back to those convictions and we finish strong in righteous, faithful actions together as a church. Turn with us to 2 Peter chapter 1 as we approach a close together. You can say team drinking as you turn there. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 is definitely about team drinking. His divine power has given us, us, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Guys, we love this passage. We love it even more in light of what we're preaching about this morning. Because it speaks directly to the expectation that we should have as we set tables, as we meet with teams in order to take another drink. The expectation that he will pour out everything that we need for life and godliness. In fact, his divine power has given us everything we need to pour out another drink of his spirit for our brothers along the way. As ministers, we're talking about you guys in the room. We have his divine power. It's been given to us collectively. The sifting that has occurred this year in 2022 revealed the enemies at your table. But you've grown in his anointing by facing these enemies, turning on them, and then fixing your gaze on strengthening your brothers through your own transparent testimony. This has proven to restore your souls as well as your brothers. So as you're contemplating this, remember that it's not his empowerment in us that is the problem. We're sons. We're co-heirs. We're holy and royal priest. His divine power has given us everything we need. No, it's all the other junk surrounding that empowerment that has to continue to go. So as we approach a close, we want to ask you, has some of your Holy Ghost zeal for setting a table been drowned out by other and lesser priorities? Has your desire to see your brothers, your team, the other families in this church built up and matured, has that desire been buried by desires for activities, ambitions that will not pass through the fire of our king? As your pastors, we want to be the first to admit that we need a renewed zeal and stirring in both of these areas. Does anyone else, anyone else in the room have the chutzpah to say the same? This morning, we can hear the spirit of God telling us to come and take another drink. Do you feel dry? Just be honest. Do you feel dry right now? Maybe not as full as you would like to be. The outpouring of the Spirit wasn't just for the day of Pentecost. It's an open well that's available at all times. And available at all times for us to come drink as a team of it.
So begin to stand to your feet. As you stand, we're going to read Revelation 22, 17. The Spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. What the Spirit is moving and saying on us now is come. Come take another drink. It's here. It's available. And we get to do this together. Come renew your commitment to his directive for us in 2022. Come revive your covenant with the brothers that he has provided for you. So as I begin to pray, here's one thing we're going to do to operate as a team. You men who are part of the 12, I want you guys to come down forward. You men are experiencing the maturing and cultivation of working in teams. Are you not better men because of it? Have you been through cycles of sifting to strengthening? These men are going to be down here, and they are going to lay hands on you. When you come, I want you to come with an expectation that God will give you another drink. That he will pour out his spirit yet again to satisfy your thirst and to quench what you desire. Are you expecting, church? Yes. Pastor Nick, pray for us. Father, we thank you, mighty God. We thank you for your invitation to us this morning. Lord, we look back on this year and we can see what an amazing year it's been. Father, we can see the great chiasm of 2022 and we know that we're approaching the other end of it and we are overflowing with thanks. And Lord, at the same time, we want to respond with all of our hearts, Lord, that you would pour us another drink this morning, mighty God. Lord, that you would pour out your spirit, Lord, not by ourselves in a closet somewhere, but right here with your body, together with the culmination of the saints, mighty God, that you would pour it out upon all of us this morning. Lord, we come with an eager anticipation, mighty God. Pour your spirit out, mighty King.